This is the Counterculture Comment Podcast, and this week, oh boss, we're gonna be talking about them old funny books today. Yes, I'm back when Legends was made and racism was fine dandy. That's right, kids. We're gonna take a look at Will Will Eisner's The Spirit then and now. Also, uh, out there for the watching is the return of Daredevil on Netflix and the ultimate gladiator match of the century with Bro versus Bro or Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. I'm Nick Hempsing. And I'm Brock Beauchamp. Yeah, so I just finished Daredevil last night. And, man, you know, I'm not a person who is a fan of The Punisher. There's only been a handful of takes of The Punisher that I'm really sold on. I just think the character is mostly juvenile and kind of annoying. And I don't like John Barenthal uh, because of his character Shane on uh walking dead and his face just bugs me <laughs> uh but he, he, like, you just bug me yes exactly but the character is so well done and so well conceived that by the end of the series i just i loved it i loved what they did with the punisher electra couldn't be cast any better she is exactly what electra was in the comics and daredevil's relationship with her was great uh, it's better than the first season, I think, which I I really liked the first season, but I thought there was a lull in the middle, and this season didn't have that. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm through the middle right now, and so far it looks like it's uh, it's definitely picking up through. It seems that you know it's like the first half of the season has one kind of story that it, mm-hmm. that it runs through, and now it's it's full steam into the actual you know building up the second half of the season yeah and yeah i i thought it was really good i i wish rosario dawson had a larger role in it because i don't like karen page i don't care for the way her character is written although she does improve a little bit as the series goes on uh but i just don't like the actress uh again i don't like her face something we disagree with i'm totally happy with that character i just don't like her face um you know it's really not that it's there's something about the way she delivers lines they're kind of flat and i just feel like there's nothing to the character it the character just feels kind of like kind of an empty vessel to me and which is too bad because karen page plays such an enormous role in daredevil and yeah i and i'm not even saying the actress is doing a bad job or anything it just doesn't do it for me and you know, and I, and I was kind of the opposite. I thought it was fine. I thought that she played enough that she was uh, enough of being inquisitive enough to 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 want to you know dig in and find details, mm-hmm. and um, also still kept the sort of um, I guess sort of a, mm, that being out of her element. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing that it seems like she's it, it seems like she's out of her comfort zone, comfort zone, um, like she's pushing herself out of her comfort zone all the time. And I thought that that works for that character. So I'm I've been happy with the performance. And I do like what they did with her in the second half of the season you're watching. And I'm not going to say uh, what that is. I thought there was an angle to her that made her feel a little bit more lived in. Mm-hmm. Which is really the root of my problem with that character. It, it it feels like she is a collection of a collection of dialogue and a collection of lines. I just they hint at things in the past, but they just feel empty to me. And you know, I I think this is just more of a thing that I'm bringing something to this watching experience that is probably unfair. I don't know what it is. That character just doesn't resonate with me. Yeah, because for some reason I, I don't seem to have the same problem yeah. you do. Um, the, uh, but yeah, I mean we we uh, in other conversations I'm not sure if we've had here. No, we haven't had him here where we talked about um, the difference between you know Jessica Jones and Daredevil, mm-hmm. um, and uh, where as uh, I, I like that I like her character and I like uh, where. She, the uh, I like your continuing presence. I still Daredevil was great, except for the one cop that could not have been there and 
everything. Oh, you mean Jessica just Jones? Fun. Yeah, Jessica Jones. Yeah, sorry, yeah, uh, Jessica Jones, the 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 one uh, the one cop love interest for um, Trish. Uh, for Trish yeah. could not have been there. Definitely the weakest have... part of the show. And thankfully they just kind of dropped it and ignored it. <laughs> yeah, and I that know. was really the best it's, thing they could have like done with uns- that. You know, what's really funny is to unceremoniously drop a character in a show that you release all at once. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you didn't even have a chance to say, Oh, this isn't working. We'll just drop them. You're like, no, you drop all your episodes at once. You can go back and edit this. Shit. Yeah. And that was when that happened. And I realized he hadn't appeared in, two episodes or so i just thought well that was the only really weak spot of this entire show mm-hmm. and you guys kind of just recovered you took the best possible route with that where you just like no we're done with him he's going away because uh that's what i loved about jessica jones so much is uh jessica's a fantastic character uh her interaction with luke cage is terrific uh tr- her friend trish is a i think her name is trish yes uh is fantastic. Is it. two, but it's, I think it's Trish. Yeah. Uh, she's a fantastic uh, kind of sidekick character because she feels lived in. I mean, there's a lot going on with that character and all the characters. Well, they, I, think that, I think the best part of it is is that character is that at first she feels, at first she feels um, not quite as, like you don't, like you don't really understand why that relationship exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and they take quite a while in the season to delve into it. Yeah. Um, the uh, and I, I think that because you can just kind of keep watching it as uh, it doesn't feel like you've gone incredibly long without knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it was, it might have been more annoying if I was if it was sp- spread out over a longer period. of Yeah. Time. If you had to wait two months to find that out. Yeah, it, it would, would have been be. a little bit annoying. Um, but since they kind of uh, have the ability to have you can binge watch it like watching a really long movie, um, the uh, you can find out faster. But it was one of the things that I thought that was like, oh well, they they took them a long time to get to this point, yeah, to to explain what why the hell these two have anything to do with each other. Yeah, uh, I I just love Jessica Jones, and um, it's kind of funny that I ended up liking that show better than Daredevil because Daredevil is my probably my favorite superhero. I definitely own more Daredevil comics than any other superhero. So if that's an indicator of who I like the best. I tend to find that you like uh, um, I- emotional, soul-destroying uh, stuff more than I do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, without a doubt. So and uh, yeah, Jessica Jones was really good. Jessica Jones was really good in the kind of way that I never want them to revisit that Jessica Jones again. Yeah, um, I'm kind of bummed they're making a second season because it just felt like True Detective, where I was like, okay, you guys could not have done a better job with this, so maybe you shouldn't try. <laughs> well, yeah. It, it, well, it's also just that they never they, they didn't seem to set something up. Like no, um, she it, was kind of done. Like, Purple Man was the story. Yeah. I mean, her entire thing was getting over Purple Man and dealing yep. with him and eventually defeating him. And, you know, Daredevil, Daredevil was very much felt, had much more of the feel of the first one had much of a feel as like an origin. Yeah. So like, and he's building towards something. He's building towards something. He's building towards, and then if you don't continue him after that, he's kind of silly. All that build up to to just put on the costume at the end is kind of silly. Um, but Jessica Jones, you could stop there. You could, you know, you could stop there, walk away, and everybody just say that was amazing. Yeah, and then you could bring her back in the Defenders. Yeah, and she could like, be yeah, exactly, part of that like team. That. Or you know, I'm sure she's going to play a, uh, a significant role in Luke Cage as well. I just, I, I don't really see the need to bring her back in her own show. But whatever, you know. I mean, they, they'll try to make it good. I mean, they've yeah. done a good job so far. But um, it's just the. I think they're. It's going to be interesting to see them start cold with another story, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and that's. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh well, but yeah. uh, so Daredevil, of course, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Anybody who listens to this podcast probably already knows that they've probably watched it, and I tried to take my time a little bit. You know, it took me all of uh, a little over a week to watch it all, uh, and. You know, while I was wrapping up Daredevil, Nick decided to go see a certain movie that came out, which... It's a movie, all right. 
you know, I, I've caught some flack for being very vocally against this movie. <laughs> um, and because I've had people say, oh, you know, just stop being a fanboy and, you know, just go see the movie. And I'm like, but you understand that I've spent 30 years reading about these two characters. That I have a lot of emotional investment built into this. And there are certain expectations that a creator really owes a fan base. Now, you don't have to stick slavishly to everything these characters represent because they represent so many different things. They're both 80 years old, damn near. But I have a lot of emotional stock built into these characters. And I don't appreciate like I when I feel like that emotional stock is being shit upon. And simply because I'm a fan of these books and these characters does not obligate me to go see this movie. And I can be disappointed that it's turning into what kind of seems like a shit show. So, uh, so take it away, Nick. Tell us what you thought about it. So I actually saw it. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, (laughs) so certain things can motivate you to want to go see a movie and you know one of them is you know being really super excited to see something for you know months on end and then you know you know or years you're waiting for something like it to come out and they get teased and then it gets canceled and something happens and eventually somebody makes you know somebody makes uh deadpool yeah exactly yeah yeah then the, then there's also the thing going, man, I've crapped on this movie so much, and I and my expectations are so low that I somehow feel obligated to go see it. <laughs> um, it's a weird feeling. Um, it's something I don't convey to any of the a, a, any of the Transformer movies. Um, they, uh, I think at that point it's the sheer knowledge that I will get complete crap. Um, but you know, I gave Batman versus Superman about a 10% chance to be a a decent movie. Mm -hmm. So, and what it is, is, so it's one of those things that's just kind of a mess. And that's what Um, I've heard almost everybody say, except for, uh, uh, there's been a couple people who are like, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. And there's maybe three of those people in my Facebook and Twitter feed, maybe, maybe four. But on the other side, I have heard damn near 20 people say, this movie, it's unfortunate. It's just a mess. No, it just doesn't know what it's doing. So the, uh, so the things that, the, the funny thing is, is that you could leave the movie feeling like it was okay and then your mind kind of turns back on. <laughs> and then you go, oh, my God, that part was that was horrible. Right. The, you know, this part was horrible. And why didn't they do this? So th- there's a lot of things that are wrong with it. And then and I'll, and I'll, and, and I'll try not to get too spoilery. Sure. Um, but the um, but certain things like Lex Luthor is bad. Um, it's just so I don't know disappointing. Wh- cause... Why, I don't know why people got enamored with him appearing on screen. Um, they say, well, you know, he, you know, he appeared, but he could, he couldn't save it. And I'm like, no, he's, he's horrible. Lex Luthor is not supposed to be a psychopath. The, uh, Lex Luthor. Yeah. He is not supposed to be fucking nuts. No, he's cold and calculating. Yeah. And Jesse Eisenberg has the appearance of doing something that must've taken cold calculation, but they, but the problem is, is every time he's on screen, he's fucking nuts <laughs> and we didn't need, we, and, and people have said this, and I'm not the first person to say it, but, uh, we didn't need another Joker. Yeah. The Joker is the Joker. Uh, he, Alex Luther is not the Joker. He is, he has very specific, the, the, the very specific reasons for doing what he believes. Um, he has a, he has a, uh, a, he has a very well thought out rationale and one that he would could sit there and explain to somebody and be convincing and that's the that's the danger of Lex Luthor. The danger of Lex Luthor is that he could convince you that he's right. Oh, absolutely. And that's and, the crux of the character. And the problem is is that when 
when um, the movie Lex Luthor, this movie is Lex Luthor, is trying to convince you that he's right. Your your whole time, your brain is going wrong. He's a crazy person. He's a crazy person because he's he, he, the performance is so like he's a complete like he's a maniac. Oh, okay. Um, and the uh, so he acts only. He, he his his moments of lucidity are not enough to count to counteract when he's nutballs. Sure. Um, and that's a big problem because that's not that character. Yeah, and, he needs to. Well, and even if it's not that character, so even if it's not that, even if even if you said that, okay, well, they're going to change him, it still doesn't work. Yeah, and that's that's it. It doesn't work in the movie because to pull off what he does, you would have to have at least the appearance of sanity. Yeah, the well, these characters have evolved over seventy plus years for very specific reasons. Uh, they work within the context of who these characters are big if, uh superman's biggest enemy has to be a normal person yeah or um you know in the case of brainiac has to be somebody extremely smart or yeah. has to be you know there's a couple different ways you can approach superman but a the villain can't just be super strong because that's not a compelling story no because the the, the villain has to be as in important and engaging as the hero mm-hmm. uh, because that, because it is through the villain that the hero is, is somewhat defined. Yeah, absolutely. And what, in the case of Superman, he is often defined by what he won't do. Mm-hmm. And that was my, one of my biggest problems with man of steel. And first off, you know, I'm going to go back to, I've, caught some hell from certain people who were like, oh, you just want to hate this movie. And I'm like, well, no, I don't. Because remember how I defended Fantastic Four? And I'm like, okay, Josh Trank made a good movie. I'm going to withhold judgment. And it turned out to be a steaming pile of crap. I mean, there is no way that Batman v Superman is as bad as Fantastic Four. But I've watched five or six Zack Snyder films now. They've all had the same effing problem. Except for 300, which didn't have that problem because 300 was not a story that wanted to think even a little bit. No. And the biggest problem is is that um, the there's a supposed to be subtlety going on in this movie, mm-hmm. and it does not come off. And, 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 and that's not the only problem. There's lots – there's other problems. First of all – but let me get some things out of the way because there were there – were the criticisms, criticisms that people had going into, you know, before the movie came out, mm-hmm. some of them were unfounded. Um, uh, the – Ben Affleck, fine as Batman. I always assumed that would be the case. He's, He's been now, in a bunch of good movies. Anything that he – anything that Batman does <laughs> in – that you don't like – in that movie has nothing to do with Ben Affleck. It has everything to do with Zack Snyder. Yeah. Um, Henry Cavill is Superman. Still fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Superman is actually, he's, he's trying to do, he's trying to be Superman the best he could be Superman. Well, the Um, thing is you watch Henry Cavill in other things. He has just an illuminating smile. Like he's mm -hmm. a super charming Dude, that's what Superman is supposed to be. So what did I get to watch in Man of Steel? A dude scowl for mm. two hours. And I'm like, fuck you, Zack Snyder. You know, Superman is supposed to be the shining light in the room. And if you take that away from the character, he's not Superman. He He's the best in all of us. And that's the allure of the character. Yeah, some people say it's boring or whatever. But look at Marvel and Captain America. Chris Evans is charming as shit and his character never compromises his morals and he is everything Captain America is supposed to be. Why can't DC do that with Superman? Why is it so bad to have a character that wants you to make you feel better about the world and everyone in it? Yes. Now, so the Superman you get is every bit as caring as you hope for. Yeah. He, he's genuinely, he genuinely cares um, and the, uh, it's, and, and I felt that this, I felt that, I felt that he came off, his character came off fine. Okay. Um, the, uh, the, uh, he, 
And then we get into the other problem that Wonder Woman appears. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, she's there at, towards the end of the movie, but really you have no, there is no in real introduction to her. And what is introduced. So here's the problem that, that they did. Easter eggs and references are not the same as plot and content. Yeah. You cannot assume that your audience knows who the fuck any of these people are. Yeah. Um, and Marvel my, has done an amazing job with Easter he, eggs. Here's, here's the, the beauty. And it, the beauty of all of this is that um, my nephew, uh, my, mm-hmm. one of my, my sister-in-law and nephew went to go see this movie um, today. And the text, the text that I got, um, from this, uh, from them was, hi, do you know what happens in Batman versus Superman? Because I'm confused. <laughs> um, and that is what anybody who does, anybody who does not read any of the comic books will not, will come out completely confused because first of all, um, this mysterious woman all of a sudden showing up with this stuff with all without real any explanation of her backstory at all with like a really foggy explanation of that she might just be old that's it that's all you get <laughs> and then she appear and she appears to be kind of a big deal at the end of the movie you can't do that if she's a big deal then she needs to be a big deal earlier yeah. she needs to be integrated in um, so, but instead you get like somebody you don't really know who all of a sudden kind of appears to be important. Um, yeah. the, uh, and well, the, and the thing is, is, and, uh, you know, they do the, um, there, and then they, he, he just, he overuses some things like, um, we're seeing a lot of the story. We're seeing a lot of the story and a lot of, uh, we see a lot of history of Batman, because and, they basically kind of weave in his origin story at the same time. Why? I mean, it's so <sighs> weird that you say stuff like this. Uh, that, you know, because if there's one guy whose origin you never need to explain again, and you can it's, just rely on audience meta knowledge, it's Batman. It's Batman. Everyone they, knows Batman's origin. By the end of the movie, um, I, I, I keep wondering if the entire movie is, an, is another goddamn Batman dream sequence. <laughs> Because Snyder literally clubs the audience over the head with Batman dream sequences. Uh, they are so there are so many of them that I I believe pretty much the entire extra half an hour of the movie that probably didn't need to be there was Batman dream sequences. Um, well, the, one thing, and I hate to say crap like this because it's such a really terrible thing to say, but Snyder does not understand story structure. He, he doesn't understand pacing. He doesn't understand like you, you get him and say, Zach, I need a bitchin action scene. He will direct, he will do that, but he but that's will... the prop. But that's the problem that is missing from this too. Yeah. You and mentioned that's, that. That's, that's where this falls apart further is that the, um, where Zack Snyder generally, um, generally has very descriptive action se- sequences very um easily easily read like yeah. you can tell what is going on yeah, well, yeah. Care whether whether he slows down what's going whether he slows it down you know does bullet time or that kind of thing yeah he whatever. pans back a lot he gives audiences really good visual cues and he sticks with visual cues unlike michael bay or something like that he, he he's generally very good at composing an action scene so that you can take it in without c- getting confused but a large portion of this movie becomes Michael Bay mess. Uh, that's just unfortunate. And it, it becomes explosion, something a little far off. Oh, who exactly is this? Well, what exactly are we watching now? Oh, it's like, oh, great, great. Another explosion. Um, the uh, Don't blink because you might miss what caused something. Mm. Um, and that's that's a problem. He, he, he the, What he should be doing very well. Um, he doesn't do as well. So the so there's action sequences that are decent, and then there's action sequences that are okay, and then there's unrecognizable messes at some point. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, so what he's supposed to normally do well, he doesn't do as well here. And so now, you, you, could part you of want... that be because of the grimdark nature of the film? <laughs> It could, nah, it could be, um, but I, I think it's. I think that he's done grim, dark, and action okay before, mm-hmm. but I think it, I think it's just. Um, I think he lost his touch for it. The uh, mm-hmm. I think that he I think that he was trying to do something that was actually so far out of his element, um, with the story that he was trying to focus on that and he's and it just didn't come off like he was as good at it and then the stuff that he was good at he wasn't giving as much attention as he normally would and so you end up with um you end up with with something that you tell he tried really hard to do and that was try he tried really hard to make a really complex story come off yeah and Unfortunately, we get a mess. Yeah, and, well, and that's that's been my biggest problem from this movie since it was announced, is he's launching a universe by trying to do civil war. By trying to do civil, by trying to do civil war. Yeah, he's basically there's I, I, I the uh, I don't I could tell you all uh, there's a you know I could tell you all the story the two the two major stories that this thing brings together. In, in the other one, one of them would spoil the ending of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I won't do that. Um, you already know that the one of them is the is uh, uh, Batman Returns, um, which is you mean ret- Dark Knight Returns? Dark, sorry, Dark Knight Returns. Dark yeah. Knight Returns. Um, the problem with that, of course, is he's only pulling a couple elements from Dark Knight Returns. Well, Dark Knight um, Returns doesn't work unless you have 50 years of Batman Superman friendship so that that battle means something, which is what Marvel did in Civil War. You know, they took a dozen movies to show audiences, well, you really like Iron Man and you really like Captain America. And then they spent two movies or three movies showing how those two started parting ways and basically conflict became inevitable. And now they're making that conflict movie. They didn't start with the fucking conflict movie. Yeah. It's it's I, I, the uh, the funny thing is I can see why he chose to start this way. I don't think it was a good choice, but I know why he did. Um, he did it this way because he wanted to try and find an excuse for the Justice League to exist. Um, I don't think it was the right way to do it. Um, okay. I don't think it came off particularly well. Um, there are parts of it that are that are there's parts of it that are forced. Um, the uh, it's they're really ultimately the, the the biggest part of it is that he bit off a lot. He tried to do he tried to do three movies worth of stuff like in three movies worth of character progression. That's um, and, and, I, and I was wondering how he was going to avoid trying to do that by throwing so many things at this movie yeah I, it, that's why i think at the end it's it's one of those movies that, that it, it, so you could sit down and watch it and get some enjoyment out of it like you can watch it you can mm-hmm. watch this movie and you'll be like you know it had some stuff that i that i liked mm-hmm. you know it's not like the movie is a complete pat, pile of shit Zack snyder's you know, never made a terrible film He's just no. always made every movie he's made except for 300 has been disappointing. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem here is that it's again, disappointing. There's things yeah. that there's things that just don't work well enough. And I think it's enough to say, it, it, I think it's enough at this point to say, um, I mean, I, I could see after man of steel that they would have been like the story was enough and worked together enough in man of steel to, to make it, okay mm-hmm. to make it a decent movie and i and, and, and man of steel actually came off as a decent movie to me it didn't come it did. off as a it, it, it was actually a decent it was actually a decent movie um but the uh, i think after this one i think it's time to pull i think it's time to perhaps pull him back a bit yeah and you know i this movie has a 30 percent on rotten tomatoes and one of one of my other pet peeves to kind of you know you know put the glove on the other hand for a moment 
is the dog pile nature of today's internet culture. Mm-hmm. You know, when they find something that they want to hate, they they really go in and I'm almost certain that I will watch this movie and say this is better than a 30% in Rotten Tomatoes. Correct. It is a if you were if I was going to say what what rating I would expect this movie to get on Rotten Tomatoes, it would be like a 55. Yeah, and that's that's basically where it's I put more, it, most it, Zack Snyder movies. It's more on the range of it's watchable. Um, you won't feel like somebody robbed twelve dollars out of your pocket. Um, the uh, you will see all you will see all of that same shame is is you will see all of the love that they attempt you know love of it that they wanted to, to be in there yeah but it just wasn't the right guy yeah and it's, I it's there's no there's no there's no denying that 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 they 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 like they like superman they like batman mm-hmm. you know the people who made this the people who made this movie are not attempting to shit on the characters sure. they're trying they're trying to earnestly to tell to tell a story that they like um but the uh but it just doesn't uh, come across and bat and, and the, some of the criticisms that people had of batman are right that there's there's some things that they kind of have Batman do, and you're like, nope, that's not Batman. There's a there's some scenes where they go, you can go, yeah, that's Batman. That's what Batman would do. Mm-hmm. But then they have a couple things that is that is. Uh, it's well, like I, no, I heard he the, kills people directly. Um. Yeah. Well, it, it's not like he does. He a use gun. a gun. He okay. So be very careful about this. Um. In 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 actual movie non dream sequence. Um, he never points a gun at somebody and shoots them. Um, how directly, like the bullet enters their body. Oh, However, Christ, okay. there are things, there are things that he does that would directly result in the death of somebody, and he would know about it, and he caused it. Yeah, and that is that is um, that is the indirect nature that that Zack Snyder was talking about in an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they. Um, when you know basically destroying a vehicle that people are in and him directly doing it that's killing them yeah and it, it amazes me that you can say they love these characters and miss something so fundamental and that's batman not killing people is not it's not an optional view of the character uh mm-hmm. batman killed people back in the 30s and 40s and then once we got into the 50s and you know batman started turning more colorful he it he took a no killing policy and that has stuck all the way to today so we're talking like 60 years of this character not doing something you can't say well this is you know a certain take on the character because that take effectively does not exist and it, Batman and doesn't fucking kill people, man. It's that simple. At least not directly. You know. No, he he, he it, it was it was okay in the first Batman Begins because in the Batman Begins because he did have to say he didn't have to save someone. Yeah, and he was also figuring things out. Yeah, you know when um, you're when you're not even Batman at that point, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different because Bruce Wayne when he was becoming Batman. His his ethical code didn't materialize overnight. Yeah. Well, and then and then there's so the actual direct comparison is Daredevil. He he is supposed yeah. to have the moral compass of Daredevil. He yeah. is a he he is a vigilante. They're essentially the a, same character. They yeah, really are. He, the vigil, vigilante and criminal. However, they know they're fighting for justice, and they do not kill. Um, and they will go out of their way to make sure that they do not kill people. So, um, so yes, there's, but that, and that's, and that's a problem. Again, it's any, and that's Snyder in there, not Ben Affleck, not, mm-hmm. you know, anything else. I felt that, that Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck comes across as really wanting to be Batman. Yeah, it's too bad. He, I know he loves the character and he seems like a pretty cool dude. You know, yeah, and he, he does. and he and he does he and it looks like he was earnestly trying to make that character come across and make Bruce Wayne come across. Yeah, 
Um, so, and that's, and that's part of the shame. And, but it's also one of the things that, that if, you know, when you're, when you're looking for redemption in the movie, that's the, of the movie, that is what you get. You get to see okay. people who are really definitely trying to play those characters as best that they can. Yeah. Uh, we should probably move on. Um, I don't think I, because I disagree with the choices that were made from this movie from day one, I can't give them $12, at least not right now. I can't. But maybe I'll go see it in a four dollar theater, mm-hmm. you know. Later, I just—it's a decision I'm making because I don't agree with what they're doing with these characters. Is that a protest, that I love a so protest much. discount? Yeah, a pretty protest much. Discount, you know, the, uh, I will not. Get, I will wait until I cannot give. I will wait until I don't have to give you full fare. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I just I don't I don't agree with uh, so much of what was done with this movie and. It's disappointing because I love these characters to death. But let's let's. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. glad I saw it just so I don't have to have several months of me saying bad things about a movie that I haven't seen. Yeah, you know that. I, I know do, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but you know. I do kind of. I mean, I want to see it. And I want to. I want to see it. And I want to love it. But everything I learned about this movie and knowing Zack Snyder's history and everything, I just I know I'm not going to love it. And that's too bad. But yeah. let's talk about uh, let's talk about um, institutionalized racism in comic books. <laughs> okay, boss. <laughs> I'll be right there, boss. Okay, don't worry. Don't, don't worry. Just imagine me with my black face on right now. Oh my, good God. Okay, this is <laughs> going to be a fun one, folks. Okay, first we read. I read about a hundred and twenty pages of. Will Eisner's original spirit from 1944. And the spirit, if you're not familiar, was created in 1940 by Will Eisner, who later had the Eisner Awards named after him, the most prestigious uh, comic awards, probably. I mean, the yeah, I, I think they're the most prestigious awards. And mm. he's one of America's oldest kind of superhero slash crime fighter characters. He's very much in the mold of the shadow Batman, what Batman was when he was a, de- a detective before he became, you know, a, a full-fledged superhero. He, uh, he he's appeared in multiple newspapers, comic books, periodicals, almost everywhere for about 40 years. And that was all done by Will Eisner himself. And then Eisner passed away and new things have been coming out, uh, including a 2008 movie that's best left unwatched by every human being on the planet. <laughs> oh christ it's terrible but we went back and i read about 120 pages of the original i think the segment i read was 1944 and 45 and they're eight to ten page stories which i love the format i love the little snippets of reading a 10 minute story with the spirit and the spirit is you know, you don't get backstory, you don't get any of that stuff. It's just real bite-sized episodic stuff. And Eisner's art is beautiful. And it's one of the really just visionary parts of the medium where he changed everything about comic books. And holy fuck, he was racist. Well, I got it so hard. Uh, no, because... there's a line. There's a line that's drawn, man. I okay. there's this character I, called I, I, Ebony, and I, he is I know. spirits I know. sidekick. I know. I know. I just <laughs> don't know. I just don't know. I, I really so I have a really hard time going back and then trying to figure out whether or not somebody was um, uh, was a symbol of their time or was excessive for their time. And that is a um, difficult thing, but, you know, I've read a lot of classic literature, and for example, you'll be reading a Dickens novel, and one of the characters will say something, you're like, oh man, that's bad, that's racist. But then the story gets right on with it, and this wasn't the case. I mean, this character, Ebony, first off, his name's Ebony, holy Christ, and I'm going to talk about that more later, but he's drawn with these giant puckered lips and round well, he's, face he's, he's black he's basically drawn in blackface he, he is except an extremely cartoonized like the stuff you used to see in those really old racist sunday comics like political uh mm. comics of the early 20th century 
And he's drawn in that style with very round body, and he's only about three and a half to four feet tall. But everybody else is drawn in a much more traditional comic book style, except for this one little black boy who's named Ebony. Yeah, but it's 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 drawn in a way that you know is is born purely out of of um, contemporary racism at the time. Yeah, the uh, it's he's drawn. First of all, he's drawn small. Yep, um, which is reducing, a sign of inferiority. Yep, yep. You're reducing him. The the you know the second thing is is you're doing everything that you everything that they associated with um, with them that that would make them look different from everybody else. So enhance the enhance the lips yep. as much as they as much as they could. Um, the uh, make uh you know make in some cases his face his face takes up almost an entire part of what his head is when he's turned to the side yeah yep. not really so much of his like his head and he speaks in this ridiculous like mid-19th century farm slave dialect and he's obviously yeah. The shadow's always very, or the shadow, sorry, the spirit's always very kind to him, but in a very condescending, you're not very bright sort of way. Mm-hmm. The benevolence of somebody to their, the be- benevolence of somebody to their, to their dumb servant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, who who's mean to the three-legged puppy? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to enjoy this book. I did, but that was just so punching me in the face and i'm saying this is a white dude it's just punching me in the face constantly to the point where i can't enjoy anything i'm reading i can only imagine what this must read like to any person of color yeah what i did what i did my best to do because i because so what i what i was trying to do when i read through when i was reading through this was trying to remove all i was i said okay i really want to know what what would have been um, the what people know Eisner for and what they liked about him when they you know when uh, when they think of him and so I looked at it and I said yeah you know the the expressions the expressions and the action mm-hmm. of the spirit himself yeah are very great. dynamic yeah it's very dynamic fun yeah, you know. and, and fun with a little bit of a schlocky film noir undertone to it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of banter back and forth. And, you know, there, there's so many elements that really want to shine in this comic. But it's it's just so hard to remove some of those other elements that just, you know, like it's, it just felt like I was being punched in the face every time. Well, yeah, because you think you think you think that kids you think that white kids in the forties were reading this, going, "Oh, yep, those black people." Yep, and knowing that a lot of those kids are still alive today. Yep, <laughs> um, but it's uh, it is racist. I mean, it is for that that time. I felt when I read a couple a couple stories in that I had like a really good idea of what 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 it was. Yeah, I, yeah. I know. I, I know what I would, can expect from the rest of these. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, I, I I know that if the uh, if that element was not there, then it would be just fun. You know, it'd be so enjoyable. Little, yeah, yeah. It'd be it'd be it'd be a lot more enjoyable. But man, that part is it just it does kind of smack you in the face. Um, and it the uh, it's. It's it does in a way so when you it it does in a way that like you said novels generally a lot of times don't simply because a lot of times novels each character um, authors generally try not to put characters in that don't have some sort of motivation of their own yeah unless they're unless they're you know unless unless you just see somebody appear as just a like a side character yeah well uh, they need to. A character needs to be there for a reason. Yeah. So, what, regardless of what racism they put on that person, they still actually want them to be a full form character to give. So, there's a reason for them to exist in the story. 
um, in this particular case, this is this is co- sort of like like sim- like meant to be more simpler child's entertainment. Um, so they they're leaning heavily on on every sort of simple stereotype. Um, the uh, you know you know the, the 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 woman cop who just can't seem to stop looking at people's you know dresses. Yeah, that, saying, that story was a real um, peach. Yeah. Yeah, peach. Uh, yeah. There's this uh, female officer who just can't get over the fact that the female villainess is dressed so damn sharply. And she almost blunders the case, and I think she gets kidnapped at some point. And it's just like, oh, oh man, it's, it's it's good old Lois Lane comics. Yeah, just backstaring you in the face. Yep. Yeah, that story like, was something oh, else. Oh, oh, that crazy! You know, women clearly can't do something like that because they'll just get caught up in you in know trivial fashion. nothingness. Yeah. Yeah. So women the, just don't have a serious enough mind to be police officers. <laughs> yeah. So there's so much. Um, I guess it's 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 interesting historical reading. It is. It is. It does provide uh-huh. that, but man, it it is a tough read in the 21st century. A very it, very tough read. But it provides a real good snapshot of what was 100 percent acceptable child's entertainment in the 40s yeah it does and it's it's illuminating in that respect um it's just unfortunate that they exist because there is so much to enjoy about the book but these hurdles are so big and they're so frequent really i mean even if ebony only appeared every fifth story but he's in basically i i don't know half two-thirds mm-hmm. of the stories um he just he just doesn't quit, and it makes it really hard to enjoy this book, which is too bad because Eisner is such a legend in the community, and I've read a few of his books about how to draw comics and how to plot comics and all these things. He wrote uh, a lot of influential material on top of creating a lot of influential material. Yeah, you kind of imagine the the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan reading this and go reading this nowadays, and they'd be going back if somebody was making this now, saying, "Yeah, you might want to dial that back a bit." I don't yeah. think anybody's going to believe that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you've just gone a little bit too far. We need to reel it in and keep that racism a little bit, you know, more more focused. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, it's. It was that was uh, a bit much, but you know it goes through this. I mean, the the general racism back then was far more than I mean, far more regular. As I said, inst- you said institutionalized. Yeah, than, I mean, it's just it's overwhelming. It really yeah. is. It's so if if you want to read, you know, a, a comics history, and you want to see some of the uglier bits of America. This is probably a pretty solid place to start, but man, no going in that it's going to be tough. You're, hey, uh, if if you're not reading this for historical value, yeah, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have a hard time. And and I, and, and I encourage people to read this kind of stuff for, oh, inco- yeah. for 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 the historical value because people tend to make um, the past seem a lot brighter and lighter and friendlier than than. Uh, than it really was. Yeah, if um, you want to um, talk about the greatness of the greatest generation, read this book. Because you know what? This was what they were teaching their children. Well, you, you know, by reading this book, you know who they thought was great. Yeah. And, and there's should... only one particular class of people mm-hmm. that is great in the book. The, yep. uh, and it's, you know, <clears throat> you know, white guys in business suits. Yeah, and it's important to realize that, you know, our our ancestors were very flawed and in many ways, in most ways, I would argue, worse people than we are today. And yeah, you know what? But, our descendants will be better people than we are today. It's well, just it's, it, it's always funny because <clears throat> even even the most cons- some of the most conservative people in the United States are less are less conservative than that book depicts 
Yeah. And which is kind of insane to think about because those conservative people were are more conservative today than they were 30 years ago. Yeah. But so yeah, it, there's it, this weird oh, okay. It's there's That's a weird progression that ha- there's a weird progression that happens. Um and it, it it's not it, but it even affects those who like to think that it doesn't. Mhm. Yep. So, yeah, I mean read it for the historical value if you're interested in that sort of thing, but no going in. You're going to get knocked around a little bit in this book. Yeah. So let's jump so, uh, over to. Let's go. Let's go to one that, that tries to pick the elements that they liked. Yes. It is the King's James version of <laughs> Will Eisner's The Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would appreciate that. Okay. Uh, or the, 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 the fan edit. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, so we read the uh, Dynamite Comics reboot uh, in 2015 of The Spirit, but it's not really a reboot. Uh, and it's scripted by Eisner Award winning, notice the name, Eisner Award winning, mm-hmm. author Matt Wagner. This monthly title will delight longtime fans as well as help introduce a whole new generation of fans to the character, Sans Racism. I added the, that last bit. And Sexism. Yeah. Set in the classic period of the Spirit's Golden Age, 1940s, the first 12-issue story arc follows the strip's most beloved characters, Commissioner Dolan, his daughter Ellen, Ebony White, and Sammy as they (laughs) attempt to uncover why the Spirit has been missing and presumed dead for the past two years. Illustrated by Dan Schcade, I'm sure I mispronounced that name, with covers by the wonderful Eric Powell. And the covers of this book are... So, so good. You know who uh, I, did, I Eric, did love those. Uh, I thought you would like them, being you know from the creator of Goon, and he nails it. Oh, Eric Powell nails these covers. Just his style, his painting style—they're beautiful. They're just gorgeous. And yeah, this is basically um, um, the spirit kind of jammed into today's comic format where he's been missing for two years and it's a long story arc and i read six issues nick read six issues which got us halfway through this particular arc and it's um it's much more readable it's has a lot of the classic elements but why couldn't they have just changed ebony's name i like i just like the fact that they that they made a reason why his name was that way um, they, they could have uh, tried harder and just not had him called that. They could have said something like they tried calling him Ebony, and he's like, "Man, nobody's called me that since I was nine. you know. And then drop it and call him something else from there on. Man, you can't call a black character Ebony. Nobody's just called can't me that since I was the forties. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. I mean, break the fourth wall for one line. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Just do whatever you have to do to not name a character Ebony White." I thought that since they treated the character more intelligently, it treated the character with, with like, yeah, um, as like a, um, like a, like a once real sidekick, a sidekick, but with a, um, but now a, you know, kind of an equal partner in a detective firm. I thought that that was, I thought that that was good enough to be able to, to they, I felt that they approached it trying to go, okay, we know it's a, a stupid name, but, we're but we don't want to change the name but we want to change the character and um, you know they needed to change the character obviously yeah they changed the real important part yeah <laughs> um, the uh and the uh and 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 also i love that they made it there was a joke that they made that was great this that people keep calling us for grammar oh yes the strunken strunken white <laughs> yes i was like that is a really great joke. The yep. uh, it's a great joke because not everybody gets it. They're like, what the fuck? What the fuck does that mean? But the uh, I, I in the same scene where they're talking, kind of they end up talking about his name. Yeah, um, it really took me a while to get that joke. By the way, I was like five pages in, and then somebody else said the white character's last name. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh wait, they're strunk and white. I get it now. <laughs> there's a there's a deep joke. I, yeah, I was thoroughly confused by that joke when while it was happening, and then 
<laughs> I don't know, 10 pages later. Maybe it was the next issue. I don't even remember. Uh, I just stopped and went, oh, you know, that's one of those clever girl moments. Very <laughs> clever girl. But, so, yeah, I, the, uh, I thought that they did. I, I thought it was a it was a fun story. Um, the uh, getting to tell a lot of uh, a lot of what the what the spirit did without, you know, kind of glimpsing, going through a lot of his uh, his escapades, his his exploits. Yeah, and there was some uh, unreliable narration going on. Yes, and that was a lot of fun. The book captures, and I really struggled to like it through the first couple issues. But then it kind of hit its stride, maybe in ep- uh, issue three or four. And I really started digging the book. It was, you know, everything the old spirit was, except in a much longer format and sans the racism and sexism. Yeah, I think it was smart for them not to try and duplicate the format. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's like, OK, we're going to you know, bring an old character into a new, new format. Do that. Yeah. And you know, comic books have evolved. They nobody writes eight-page stories anymore. Yeah. It's just not what we do. And yeah, you have to sell to the market that exists. And mm-hmm. I think they did a good job of translating this character into modern day, while keeping the same heart and charm that the original character had. Yeah, um, the. Uh... What it, while you're at it, uh, I know this is usually your your uh, entry point. Let's talk about the uh, talk about the art itself. Yeah, I mean the covers just top notch, absolutely gorgeous by Eric Powell, and the um, interior art by uh, I'll just say Dan because I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. Um, it was a little bit rough in the beginning, but very um, very on the cartoony side, uh, exaggerated, kind of. Not dissimilar to like a Darwin Cook, uh, you know, a throwback style to the 40s and 50s and 60s pre-Kirby era uh, with big eyes and very expressive faces, but very, very modern. And I thought I thought it was a little bit rough in the first couple issues, but then it started smoothing out and I could see the dude just kind of start hitting his groove and it kept getting better through the six issues I read. I, I agreed. I, I liked I, I liked the art. I thought it was a touch enough of the old, um, but really, uh, um, I, I thought that they brought in enough of, uh, enough of a. Of, it almost mixed a little bit more with the with that that I guess that newer American kind of one of those newer American cartoon styles with um, some sometimes simple uh, simple coloring on the face. Mm-hmm. You know, like a hard shadow, but, you know, hard shadow, but not a lot of other gradient color. Yeah, and they used, a, um, I think they probably did this in Photoshop, and they used uh, Photoshop's uh, one of the myriad of watercolor brushes that are, so there's a there's an opacity or, you know, a transparency to the painting style, and they use a very rough brush, so it has a jagged edge to it, and it, it creates a very... A very nice throwback feel and i thought the art worked increasingly well the better the book or the more the book went along yeah so if you i i from what they were aiming for i think they were pretty successful i think so as um, well if they were trying to make something that new people could say you know the uh, get the feeling of an old character but in a way that they might actually enjoy um this is a this is a strong effort. It is, and it's a hell of a lot better than the movie that came out in two thousand eight, which was oh god, it was uh or no, it wasn't directed. Frank Miller. It wasn't directed by Frank Miller. I don't think that was yes, it. it. Oh, it was. was okay. It was written and directed by Frank Miller, and he Frank Millerized fied their spirit into this hard boiled guy that it's just not representative of the character it's it's bad it's actually that's not right it's terrible it is a unwatchable fucking movie man it's bad and you know 
this is a great entry into if you've never read the spirit before and you're looking for something fun that your kids can probably at least the six issues we read kids can read this it's accessible it's you know it's got a couple you know maybe teenage private eyes that spend a lot of they get a lot of comic book time. They get and you, would, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be offended from uh, by the cosplay that they would come out with from this. Yes. Yep. You know, you do old spirit cosplay, and then you know you decide to go as the whole team. Yeah. Somebody's getting their ass kicked. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> is get. You know what? Somebody might get their ass kicked by the group before you even make out the door because that's <laughs> yeah. just too racist to go in public. Yeah. <laughs> So that person might be afraid they're going to get their ass kicked by association of you going in blackface. Um, but yeah, I, I really dug the book, you know, and I'm going to keep reading it and I, I'm into it. Uh, they are at 10 or 11 issues right now. So they haven't even finished the initial arc, which is kind of the return of the spirit. Well, I hope they keep going. It's, I like, I mean, I, with comics, you, you're always going to have a nostalgia for the 40s, the 30s, that sort of time, because that's the birth of the medium. Yeah, yeah. Real, the real, you know, the real, that's when it blew up. Mm-hmm. And, and it's only, it's only going to, it's only appropriate that there's, that there's going to be forever for as long as there are comics, probably going to be some, um, there's going to be some going back to that time. Well, there was a lot of really cool stuff going on in that time from a crime perspective. Uh, you know, there's that was the heyday of film noir. And, you know, Bogart was in his prime. And you, well, there's you're just a to lot say, of great material. Yeah, cause the, the, it was the heyday of it was the heyday of crime. It was the heyday of crime in art. Crime and cinema. Yeah. uh, And, you know, Batman started out as a crime detective. He was, he became a superhero later. Um, There was just a lot of this kind of stuff being created from, you know, late thirties, maybe 35, 36 up through, you know, the, ah, just post-war period, I think is when it started tapering off. And, um, yeah, this is a great representation of a throwback to that time that I love. I mean, I'm creating a comic called uh, called Time Dick, and it's set in 1936, and it's a total homage to film noir. So, yeah, this is right up my alley. Yeah. So it's also perfectly readable. Actually, it's better than perfectly readable. You should read it. Yeah, I think so. Read his other story, too, but, you know. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd maybe skip the 1944 one and just go ahead and go right to this. <laughs> yeah that's true that's just me. uh do do that do that um don't 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 go back uh <laughs> unless but I, I actually okay let me say don't go back don't don't give the old one to your kids yeah go back and go back go back and re- go back and read it because uh you should you should know <laughs> yeah absolutely if you want if you want real historical context of some of the crap that was considered acceptable back then go read it but read it for a very pointed reason mm-hmm. don't don't go reading it for enjoyment because if you get too much enjoyment out of that there's something you probably need to take a few moments and kind of check yourself and ask a unless, few very important unless questions you, unless you laugh at racism unless racism is just hilarious to you <laughs> um is sometimes it can be it's sometimes going well oh my god that's <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's just over the top. In that case, you, you you can be excused for for laughing because you'll it's 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 really hilariously bad racism. I mean it's so over the top laughing, you can't do anything but laugh at it. If, yeah, if you're you if you can laugh at the the at the racist white white people of the forties, yeah, then then you'll have some fun yeah. because there's a lot there. And you might want to just pick up these comics. For, simply for Eric Powell's covers. I'm looking at the cover oh, the cur- for oh, issue the, the, number the four. One? Yeah, the new one. Yeah. Um, his cover for number four with the woman in the white dress. Uh, kind of, she has this boa thing that she's uh, kind of flipping out and Shadow's head is in the background. It's just gorgeous. Everything about it. These covers are so good. Oh, man. So good. 
Yeah, Eric Powell's good. Yes, he is. He is a very, very talented artist. Yeah. The uh, I need to go make sure that I've read all the goon. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for I need to catch up in uh, goon at some point. So, uh, so I, I think we, we've 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 uh, covered our bases. We've again found that when we go to the forties or fifties or what was it? Uh, Lois Lane was the sixties. I think it was late fifties. Late fifties. I think we found that when we're going to go back there, we so far we know what we're going to find. Yeah. Um, Racism and sexism, maybe both. <laughs> Although this point, this time you didn't expect it. Yeah, not well. You know, it didn't surprise me. Yeah, but, but you didn't expect it to be that uh, that. Uh, yeah, its overwhelming over- nature surprised me. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, check out the new uh, spirit. I want to say shadow all the time because I've been listening to a ton of shadow lately, but. You've been listening to a ton of Shadow? Yeah, the old radio serials. I love them. Are you really? Oh, yeah. They're great. I've listened to almost all of them, and I'm looping through and re-listening to a bunch of them. evil lurks in the the parts of men. men. The parts of men. I know what evil lurks in the parts of men, and so does my minister. (laughs) The Shadow knows. (laughs) Okay, so, um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to talk about right now. Uh, We have... We'll be back in a couple weeks. We have not picked what book we're going to read. Unless you have some brilliant ideas, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, I don't. Uh, although we still have the we still have the best the best of our worst the best of the worst movies. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll have to touch it's, on those. Yeah, it's, it's maybe I'll watch the Spirit again and really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's bad, maybe, man. It's bad. It is so. You bad. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't do that as one thing. Maybe we should do that as like a like a series segment. Like yeah. every every other one, we'll do. We'll we'll drop in and do a. And we'll both uh, we'll, have watched the same terrible movie. Exactly, and yeah. we'll do a, we'll do a quick a quick teardown. Mm-hmm. Because good. if there's anything that I need a taste for when we do this every once in a while, when we do this podcast, is I, I need to taste every once in a while for something bad. Yeah. So you I, much I more than I. Okay. Uh, I, Jones, well, I Jones for it from time to time. Today I know we you got do. some racism. I know you do. Good, you know, <laughs> that's great. We got that's racism, great. folks. And Batman versus Superman. That's true. That's true. But, but I like to think that I was being a little earnest in my my uh, being earnest in my description of that movie. Yeah, yeah, I think you're pretty fair. But let's get the hell out of here, huh? All right. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to drop us a line at countercomic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at schlockworks.com where you can ver our podcast, ar- podcast archives or check in on some of our other projects, such as my comic, Time Dick, which you can actually get a link over to go buy it at Comixology for all of 99 cents. If you're so inclined, drop iTunes or Stitcher and give us a review. That'd be great. Thanks, everybody. I'm Brock. I'm Nick. Goodbye now. Toodles. 